Greetings, podcast listeners. Welcome back. This is your host, Indra, with Aikido Talks. Late edition. So we are continuing today, or this evening, with Legacies of the Sword by Carl F. Friday with Seki Humitake. And it's in the chapter of the Marshall Path. The last episode, we spoke about meditation Um, some profound things. This is such a great book. So I'm jumping around a bit. This is sort of a part two. And this sort of enters in a few details about visualization, kata, and the relation of these things in combat training within a particular uh, group of practitioners. Um, But this is, of course, encouraging you to get the book so that you can read it in its entirety. And it is, let's see, the publishing is University of Hawaii Press, Honolulu, Hawaii. So it would be really great if you can find it. The title, Legacies of the Sword, the Kashima Shinryu and Samurai Martial Culture by Carl F. Friday and with Seki Humitake. And here we go with another portion of, from the chapter, The Martial Path. Neither the Kashima Shinryu nor most other buge ryuha are direct expressions or outgrowths of esoteric Buddhism. But many schools, including the Kashima Shinryu, have borrowed heavily from the Mikyo tradition. It is important, therefore, not to lose sight of the fact that while the Bugay purport to lead ultimately to goals similar to those of Buddhism, enlightenment and transcendence of worldly cares, they seek those goals, or at least they originally sought them for an independent reason, to achieve proficiency in combat. And because of this, Buge adepts pursue the worldly tangible benefits of meditation and related exercises as eagerly as the sublime objectives. Visualization and expansion exercises, for example, have several practical applications in terms of martial art. In the case of archery, and the use of other missile weapons, such as shuriken or the rowing knives, the warrior expands the target and places himself within it before releasing the arrow or throwing the missile. Thus, because as the moment of release, there is no place that is not the target, the arrow or missile cannot miss its mark. Similarly, swordsmen and other hand-to-hand fighters envision absorbing their opponents into themselves so that their own movements become part of and control the movements of the opponents. One of the most interesting intersections of the bougay with esoteric Buddhist doctrine serves to create an additional level of meaning kata training by drawing out an important implication of the monistic traditional Japanese worldview in which the Kashima Shinryu and other Budo traditions developed. 
Mikyo-cosmologists conclude that if the eternally self-existing being of truth pervades all phenomena, omnipresent in all levels of existence, then enlightenment must be perceptible through symbolic elements such as certain Sanskrit syllables, mantric chants, and most importantly to Bugay students, certain postures and movements. Viewed in this light, pattern practice in the Bugay can also be seen as a kind of mudric exercise, a form of spiritual cultivation in and of itself, either within or without the specific context of esoteric Buddhism. Kashima Shinryu doctrine, for example, does not conceptualize the world in specifically Buddhist terms, but it does assert that each and every movement in every and each and every Kashima Shinryu kata fully embodies each of the fivefold laws, which are in turn expressions of the fundamental rhythms of the universe. When, therefore, initiates perform the movements of the kata properly, they harmonize with these primordial rhythms in much the same way that esoteric Buddhist practitioners harmonize their postures and gestures with those of the Buddha body. Thus, Kashima Shinryu masters maintain the study of Bujutsu through pattern practice alone should be sufficient to guide students to realization and understanding of the fundamental principles of the universe. Nevertheless, advanced Kashima Shinryu initiates normally augment their pattern practice with meditation training. Usually, this involves visualization exercises utilizing Takemika Zuchi no Mikoto as the object of the meditation, but this choice of methodology is one of convenience based on the historical circumstances tying the Ryuha the Kashima Grand Shrine, not one of the pedagogical or theological necessity. Trainees with deep religious convictions are free to follow the meditation forms of their own faiths or to substitute other deities with whom they have formed strong bonds for Takemizakazuchi no Mikoto as the object of the visualization exercises. And with that, we will be right back. Welcome back, my dear friends. This is an interesting excerpt because it, it combines a few things. It talks about kata and the purpose of um, some of this practice is in terms of uh, growing proficiency in combat, uh, meditation, and how, you know, doing kata or what they termed that sort of like mudra-like hand gestures, body movements, symbols, things that lead you to the to the connection of the universe and and when you're reading this or at least when I'm reading this it reminds me of 
reading um, the other book by O Sensei on Budo uh, because he gets into very deep details and his other book as well um, talking about Aikido and then uh, connecting with the universe so a lot of these tools although and they make it clear in this section too that it's not religious but they have they borrow these tools which help you to connect with the universe in terms of working with your opponent so to speak and in refining combat measures um, so it's very technical but it's also it's very it's esoteric at the same time but it, but this reading helps you to nourish the thought of seeing martial arts practice in a deeper form I guess on a higher level view so you can only guess when I first started reading this book at the beginning of my Aikido career um, how f- how fulfilling it was because it's quite I guess you could say it's quite advanced and it has a lot of detail in it um, for a higher meaning of what it means to be in Aikido in, pre- in preparation of years to come in your practice and gaining wisdom in it. I love the part about the kata and it almost reminds me of, oh, they did mention it in a misogi-like way. You know, doing kata can be like misogi, um, as I'm paraphrasing. Mudrik, that's what they said. Mudrik exercise, a form of spiritual cultivation in and of itself, either within or without the specific context of esoteric Buddhism. So in essence, you don't have to be a Buddhist or anybody who is, or any other follower. It doesn't, you don't have to follow any type of dogma or religion or what have you. But the, the technical aspects or the spiritual aspects that are open to everyone can be borrowed, I would say, in order to uh, gain more access into the deeper meanings of the martial arts practice and in reaching um, you know a higher level of proficiency in combat and uh, as I was reading when they were talking about mudric exercise that um, the chance postures and movements um, pattern practice in the bougay can lead to a mudric exercise, which brings me to our book that we've read before about a monk's guide to <laughs> a clean house and mind, you know, with cleaning itself. And because in the Japanese culture, um, cleaning is not about the dirt. It is about cleaning your mind and your soul. Um, what a beautiful concept. And that, also can be mudric. When I speak to the kids, the young people, I bring this up. And then the parents are nearby so that they can hear what I am saying so that when they come back the next time that they're not easily forgetting that, yes, this is why Aikido looks so beautiful or don't be fooled by the beauty of what Aikido presents. This is not a vacation. This is martial art. This is another form. Um, and it's something that I stress all the time to people who are not practicing, that it's far, 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 far deeper than what meets the eye when you come in walking into the schools. 
of any Aikido dojo. And this is why it is not, this is another reason why there are no tournaments. Um, There is no competition but with self because it would just sort of, uh, the, the purpose of practicing would just be non-existent um, for having all of these things um, outside of the goal of the practice of refinement. As as we talked about in the last episode, if, you, if, if you're just catching up to uh, the episodes and you've missed the last one, just listen in on the last episode and better yet, get the book uh, within the same chapter of the Marshall Path, they mention explicitly that this is this is not uh, this is not an athletic exercise. This is a martial art. This is why you don't have these certain things. This is not just like going to the gym. It's not that at all. Um, and that's what uh, I think one of the top things people have to understand who are joining into any martial art and to intentionalize why you get onto the mat. Because you can hurt other people, you hurt yourself, or, you know, because you're dealing with something that's real. Um, but it's a deep practice, too. But you won't, it's easy to practice on the mat and never grow. You can vacillate in a space for, for years, years and years and years, and you may not even realize it until something may happen and you say, oh my goodness. How long has it been that I've been doing the same thing over and over again or hearing the same things over and over again? And it's kind of the genius of changing partners as well that people get to wake up perhaps in their own uh, micro universe of Aikido in the mat to understand this. Um, and I love to compare this when you talk about misogi or mudrik exercise. How do you... You can even compare this to, um, you know, how do you take it off the mat, right? How do you take this off the mat? Um, cleaning your spirit, you know, cleaning a lot of us, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, if there's, there's something that's bothering a person and that person decides to clean, I got to clean up, you know, and that's one way of clearing their mind and doing something physical. But thinking about, Combat. Uh, combat doesn't necessarily have to mean, uh, if you look at it off the mat and if you're not practicing martial artists, you can think about, well, how do you do this outside of the mat and in regular workday, like in, in the office space or at home with family or acquaintances, special situations dealing with the public? Um, you know, there's a sense of preparation um, you know, perhaps like say if you're commuting and going back into the world um, post-pandemic, uh, what do you do? How do you interact with the world? You're preparing somehow, but it's it's also the self-care that you put into yourself. Um, I've, I've thought about a few things with this in terms of, um, you know, practicing the meditation is is across the board um, is is beneficial to all of us to still our minds and to clear our minds and it's a, a thing that keeps coming up so that must mean something um, and we all can benefit from putting aside time preferably first thing in the morning 
uh, upon waking, which is an Ayurvedic practice, but it is a, a practice that all of us as human beings can take, rising with the sun, and just clearing ourselves, giving ourselves space to take a break, to start the day, and before class, come to class early, uh, or come before it starts to, to settle the mind. And it's also during the practice on the mat that uh, there's some schools who, who are really serious about not talking on the mat because it's part of the practice. The, the practice itself is a meditation. Um, it's great to see our friends and all of our loved ones and acquaintances and teachers on the mat, but remember that it's a practice and that practice can save your life and then putting it in a serious form. You know, yes, with a little levity in the background, but it's at the end of the day, it can save your life if you're focusing. You know, you're fine-tuning all of your senses inside and out. Amote and ura. Um, for those who don't practice, you know, you think of your intentions of how you're contributing to your work. You know, is it something you love to do and why not? You able you you can have an introspection through meditation just to be just by sitting and in this book actually after the excerpt I read they talk a little bit about a practice of breathing um, how some of the students have done this and the practice which is fascinating but I will close this episode to say you know take up if you can find this book get it add it to your library um We shall continue more excerpts from this book in episodes to come because it's a great book, I think. Um, But we all have this beautiful opportunity to meditate, even if it's for start small, maybe just uh, provide a space where you can have some peace and quiet um, for maybe five minutes, maybe two minutes at the beginning, then five minutes, and the next day just increase it. Maybe no more than 20 minutes at a time so that you can still live the rest of your day. But once you do that, then get out of it and um, go about your day and enjoy it. But that part is like a vitamin for us. And you can also find like free videos, what they have on YouTube for timers. If you don't have a timer in your phone or or somewhere, but you can find different ways to have a timer so that you don't um, lose track of your time as you develop the practice if it's the first time you're getting into it and I will I will also mention that uh, tomorrow there is in New York City which is I think accessible to everyone around the globe um, the Zen Center of Contemplative Care which is on 23rd Street in Manhattan New York City and every I think twice a year they have a 90 day sitting, um, which is amazing. And um, I urge you to register for it. And you meet every week, but then throughout the throughout the week, you can meditate with them. Um, There's a there's a, a fee. But it's well worth it. It pays for itself in all sorts of ways. Um, There's the Dharma talk and you don't have to be Buddhist to do this. But it also it's a way to get into it, into the motion, and also get to know a community of people that are global. Um, some amazing talks, because every Sunday there is a talk by a um, 
a Buddhist priest from, um, you know, from different parts of the globe who gives a Dharma talk. Um, and there's a reading that you follow, you know, maybe from Dogen. And it's really, it's a lot of fun, but it also puts you in the state of mind that you're with other people. You're not alone doing this. And um, it's, I just have to recommend it. So please, 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 you can, you can resurrect the, the school by um, Googling Zen, New York Zen Center of Contemplative Care, and it'll come up, it'll pop up. And the 90-day sitting starts tomorrow. Um, what better time to do it as we're talking about this? Um, I urge you. And if, if you don't have time to do it and if you don't want to, you can just visit the website and see what you can. You can still do meditation with them virtually. That's what I also want to say. This is a virtual thing, so it's on Zoom. And they do have their doors open. So if you're joining the program and... Uh, if you're in New York City, you can go right in and sit with them as you join the, uh, the program. But you can also log on from anywhere in the world by Zoom and do the same sitting. And throughout the week, they have a schedule that you can follow and protocol on how to do Zazen online, uh, as well as what you do in person. So I welcome you by all means for health, wellness, clearness in Zazen and in Aikido spirit um, to do that. And with that, I conclude this late edition of Aikido Talks NYC. Thanks for listening. Until next time.